I'm not sure if anyone needs to hear this today, but I'm sure I do. Isn't it crazy how when we're in God's house, singing God's praises, hearing the preaching of God's word, we are still somehow focused on ourselves. All right, let's get it started today. I think we're doing pretty okay on time. Now, uh, let's just turn our Bibles to an introductory passage today. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'm just going to wait for everyone to turn there. And while we're turning to there, I just want to preface this message, and I just want to start off and say that this week at camp that we had was indescribable. The fellowship, the fun, and spiritual impact are still present in my heart today. And I can see the same thing in the young people that attended. However you might have been involved, every penny contributed, every gallon of gas guzzled, every prayer prayed. Everything, every person is is appreciated today. Camp, teen camp is something special to not just me, but to everyone in attendance and everyone who has attended. And I just hope that a fraction of the ministry that we experienced that week will get through to you today. Let's just read our verse and then we're going to continue on with what, what I have for you guys today. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now this year, the theme of camp was joy unspeakable. Nowadays, joy is something we try so hard to find in things temporal. The purpose of this year's teen camp was to encourage the youth of today to find joy in things eternal, spiritual things. Throughout the week, we were encouraged to find joy in different aspects of the Christian life. And I had the opportunity and blessing to, on Friday afternoon, wrap it all up for him. Now, we had a few messages throughout the week, a lot of them touching on points very close to my heart. On Sunday, on Sunday we learned about joy in salvation. Finding joy in knowing that God is in our heart today, being our personal Lord and Savior. Finding joy in knowing that we are a part of the family of God, free from the shackles of death, knowing that we will join God in eternal life someday. On Monday, on Monday we learned about joy in separation. This was touched on by Dennis earlier. Finding joy in setting yourself apart from the world. Finding joy knowing that you are not a part of that crowd anymore and and being joyful about it. Finding joy in owning your identity as a Christian. On Tuesday, on Tuesday we learned about joy in suffering. Joy in not only going through, but getting through the struggles, trials, and tribulations that are a part of the Christian life. On Wednesday, on Wednesday we learned about joy in soul winning. Finding joy in winning a soul to Christ, no matter how long it takes. 
Pastor Devian touched on a very touching story of how, how, uh, how he uh, was part of a, of, a, of a ministry to a certain person who, after so long, after such a long time of thinking that that seed was planted in vain, had bloomed in the form of salvation of an individual. Finding joy in, in winning others to Christ and adding to the family of God that we love so much. And on Thursday, the final day before Friday, where, where, I, where I taught and when we left, on Thursday, finding joy in service, joy in serving God. Touched on by Pastor Tim and Andre a little bit earlier during his testimony. Finding joy in the ministry. Finding joy in, in, in God's, um, uh, God's special uh, purpose for you in the church, finding joy in, in, in giving yourself to service unto God. Not in the flesh, but in joy. Now, it's no secret that in Christ we are provided a unique and inimitable joy. But I will be the first to admit that this joy is sometimes hard to find under the stresses and business of of our lives. I want to look at a few topics today that I hope will help us find or rediscover that joy in the Christian life. The first topic that I brought up on Friday was finding joy in God's person. Finding joy in God's person. Now this word person isn't a noun. This isn't a uh, an actual person, not a person, place, or thing. No, this is an adjective, a describing word Finding joy in God's person, who God is. Finding joy in who God is in our lives. I mentioned this in, in, in part of the lesson that as much as we Christians here today try to stay consistent in our spiritual walks, I'll admit, and we all know that some days are harder than others. Sometimes, that joy that church so often provides is just lost to us. Sometimes that joy we find is, is nothing more but a spark amongst the fog of, of life. And what, what is the cause of this? Why is it that sometimes it's so hard to find joy in what should be the main source of our joy. Well, let's examine today a few things that we find joy in in our lives. What are, this is where I want to get some of the teens today to really be involved with my message. Now, I, I'm basically uh, reiterating my message on Friday, so they know what's coming, I hope. Maybe they slept through it, I don't know. But what are some ways today that we find joy in our lives? What are some, uh, what are some ways that us, us uh, Christians today, you know, other than church, other than the ministry, what are some ways that we find joy in our lives today? I hope we have volunteers, otherwise I'm going to tell people to volunteer. So I'm looking at you, Andre, and Lucia over there. What are some ways that we find joy? Come on, quickly, let's go. Lance. Prayer, Prayer that's right. That's a, an amazing outlet for us to find joy in our lives. Andre. Friends. He said it quickly so that you guys can't take friends later. So quick, come on, they're getting, they're, I need more, I need more, Kazen. Sports, there we go. A few more, a few more, Lance. Money. Money, yeah, as much as we don't want to say it, 
There are some, there, there are some things that we find joyful in money. Hi, what's your name? All right, and what do you find joyful in your life? Any idea? What are some ways that we find joy in our lives? One more. Yeah, Dennis? Reading the Bible. Nice. Now we have a few. We had a lot of amazing ways that we find joy in our lives. Some spiritual and some not. And that's totally fine. That's just the reality of things. And I'm so glad that there are so many ways that you guys are able to find joy in your lives. But one particular key example that I brought up during my lesson on Friday was sports. With its relevance today and the sheer fanaticism present in its following, sports was one that I really wanted to delve deeper into. Now, I won't ask everyone here today why they find joy in the things they do, but I want to tell you why I believe some people find joy in sports. Some things in sports that give people joy are that it gives them a healthy medium to better themselves. It offers clear and concise milestones that are testaments to a person's hard work. Like a higher jump, a harder swing, a more accurate shot. But one really huge thing that, it, that, that I have found gives a lot of people joy in sports is that it gives people a sense of identity. Sports to some have, has been a place where they find a supportive and inclusive community regardless of who they are or how good their skills may be. And honestly, a community that inclusive, supportive, and open is really hard to find these days, even in some churches. But what I want to draw your attention back now to today is the word identity. Now, according to the world-renowned scholarly dictionary of Google, the word identity means the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. This word identity, what does it mean? I hear so many people today say, I love sports because it helped me to discover another dimension of myself. It helped me, just to, it helped me to discover who I am. And isn't that such a common term that we hear nowadays? Self-discovery. I love basketball because it helped me to discover my identity as an athlete. I love my friends because they really helped me to figure out who I am. School. I love school because it helped me to really get onto my path in life and figure out who I am. It really helped me solidify my identity as a student. And my friend, this is where we get so confused. In life, we are so focused on me, me, me. We're so focused on using different avenues of our life to discover who we are. 
And so we look for ourselves in the things we pursue. We try to chisel out of the things we have in our lives, uh, our identity. We get so caught up in the discovery of self that we overlook our discovery of the Savior. I'm not sure if anyone needs to hear this today, but I'm sure I do. Isn't it crazy how when we're in God's house, singing God's praises, hearing the preaching of God's word, we are still somehow focused on ourselves. Look, God wants you to be involved. God wants you to be in it. God wants you to be integrated in the church. But stop getting caught up in your place at the church that you forget you're a part of God's family. Look, God is calling to you today saying, look at me. Look, you may be new to all this. You may be a young person today who just got introduced to the church. You may be a newly saved Christian, or you may be someone who's been going to church your entire life. But forget who you are and remember who I am. And we know exactly who that is when God declares in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, he says, I am that I am. I don't know about you guys today, but I have no plan whatsoever to question that statement of I am that I am any time soon. I encourage the teens and all Christians here today to stop trying to discover your identities that so often shift ebb and flow in life and really find joy in the eternal identity of the Savior. The next point of discussion that I brought up was finding joy in the Savior's purpose. Finding joy in God's dedicated path for your life. Now, you're probably wondering why I, I have a book here and I also have my phone. Well, at camp, we are very limited in our resources. And I thought, you know, I wanted to save some paper, so I'm going to do things all digitally. I had my phone there, and I was, uh, my phone was running low on battery at the time, and I, I, I was scrambling. I was like, I, I can't have my message die on me. I can't have, have nothing to say. So I, I wrote as much as I could of my message that I had my notes of, on my camp book. So I have two, two specific mediums for you today on dual wielding for everyone here. Now, let's try to find joy in the Savior's purpose for our lives. Look, God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you and your life, and the sooner that you can find it, the sooner you will realize the joy that comes in it. But how do we find it? How do we find that joy in God's purpose for our lives? Well, I propose to everyone here today that it's the little things. It's the baby steps that we can take to put ourselves in a position for God to illuminate our path. 
Now, I used this example um, a bunch of times before. I used this example a bunch of times in my lesson on Friday. But look, a track, a, a train can be made with all the state-of-the-art materials. It can have the most efficient fuel. But at the end of the day, that train isn't going anywhere until it gets on the tracks. To really accomplish its purpose, it has to get to a place where it can finally start going where it needs to go. And I propose the same is true with our spiritual lives today. We need to take small steps, small but, but valuable steps, to put ourselves in a position to be illuminated by God, in which, where which God can show us His purpose for our lives. What are these steps that we can take, though? What are these ways that we can really put ourselves in a position to be used by God and spoken to by God? Well, one of those ways is coming to church. During my lesson, I really wanted to drive home the fact of how valuable regular church attendance is in the Christian life. Coming to church, like I tried saying before, don't be worried about where you fit in, what ministry to do, and all these things. Your presence, just being there, is so meaningful. Just be there. In written literature, there are many repeated tropes and, 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 and types of relationships that are uh, repeated throughout book after book because these tropes, they sell. Now, I'm not an extensive reader, but I have a few tropes here that I listed and one in particular that I really want to dive into. Now, some tropes that we have here uh, involve um, two people that seemingly hate each other, but because of the circumstances of their lives come to really find joy in each other and in the relationship that they have. Others may be two students, top of their class, that are just pitted against each other and they, they hate each other just because they always want to be on top. But one, liter, uh, one literary, I think, relationship that I, that I want to bring up today, that I want to talk about, is one that is formed out of nothing but the forced proximity of two individuals. A relationship that develops between two individuals because of circumstances that require them to be in close quarters for a very long time. So basically, stories that involve, I don't know, uh, canceled flights. So two individuals are stuck at the airport for an extended period of time. Or maybe uh, a group of friends that's, that's snowed in in a cabin for their winter vacation. So they're stuck there for, I don't know, a day or so. Now, the reason that I bring this type of relationship up is because this example in all of these stories, there was no trend, catalyst, or factor responsible for the blooming of a relationship between two individuals other than the close presence of another. 
Nothing was required for a relationship to form other than the close presence of another. And I propose that the same principle is true with church. I propose that the same principle of nothing but a close presence of someone being the only thing necessary. Sorry, I propose that the, 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 the principle of only needing the close presence of another for a relationship to form, it rings very true with our relationship with church today. And I want to explain why. If you notice, whenever Grace Baptist Church takes in a member, or at least when I was taken in as a member, we don't require anyone to participate in the choir. We don't require, we don't uh, uh, force a member to be a part of the choir or be an usher or even a teacher in super church. But also notice that none of these positions in the church are empty. Notice that though we don't force anyone to be a part, to, to fulfill these roles, none of them are empty. Yes, we could always use more help, but none of these seats are empty to the point where these ministries can't run. And why is that? Well, it's because God has given people a desire, a fire and a heart for these ministries, and in them they have found God's purpose in it. But again, Patrick, how have they come to this? Well, like I, like I really want to tell you guys today, it's the little things. It's the small steps that we take to get into a position to really be moved by God. And for some of us today, particularly a lot of our young people today, I propose that that small step we take to really be moved by God is a literal step through the church doors. It's a step we take every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Saturday. It's a step that we take to be present in the house of God. That might be all it takes. Consistent, faithful church attendance. And I'll tell you why. Because God will use that presence of you in the church and he will stir within you a passion for the ministry. And in that, you can be able to find God's purpose for your life. Let's turn our Bibles today to Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. Let's turn there. This is a story that, that um, during camp in particular, really spoke to me. Let's turn there. I'll race you guys there. Luke chapter 14. Boom. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. All right. I'm going to read it out for you today, and then I'm going to explain the story and really uh, explain how this connects to our lesson today. Now, verse 15 says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he, that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. 
and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said, Unto him I, I have bought a piece of ground, and, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord, all the, showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Wow, what an amazing story. A story that holds so many values, integral and important to the Christian life today. But I want to ask you guys something. In the Bible, we have this story of a man who got together a huge feast one that he wanted all of his friends and guests to, to really experience and have the joy of partaking in. This man got together a huge feast and he invited this huge list of guests and one by one they had excuse after excuse as to why they couldn't go. Now at any point in this story today, did the person who made the feast say, hey, I invite you to my feast, but... We're running low on chairs, you know. Could you really, could you bring a few? Because I don't want any of my guests to be standing or anything, you know. So please, come on, just bring a few chairs with you. Or another guest, you know, we're running low on appetizers. You know those deviled eggs that you make? Those are so good. Can you really bring them along? Did he ever say to a guest, I have not gotten to catch up with your family in so long? Do you mind bringing them along? And if you can't, you know, just don't bother coming. No. This man did not say any of that. All that he wanted was the guest that he bid come to come. And what happened? The guests that, the guests of which all that was required of them was to just be present at the feast couldn't even do that. The man, all that the man wanted was that the guests be present, be there for the feast. And then what happened when, when those, those people couldn't be present? He, he bid his servant to invite person after person, guest after guest, that wasn't even on the list to begin with because the people wouldn't come. And there was still room at the feast after all those people that did come, attended. Now, just like how of these guests, nothing was required except for attendance, look, sometimes God 
our Savior, sometimes all that he requires is that you be present, be there, be ready and, and willing and open to be used by God. And with a present, willing and open vessel, God is able to do so much. The place where you will experience the most joy is walking the path and fulfilling the purpose that God has designed for you. So be present. Be there. Be open and ready. Take the steps that you need to take to get to the point, the place, the position where God can really move you and show you his purpose for your life. Let's turn again. Let's turn our Bibles one more time. Well, not one more time, but let's turn our Bibles now to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, another verse, another passage that um, in particular spoke to me during camp. Let's turn there. I'll race you guys. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to go to verse 9. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9, says this, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. In this story of the Bible, we have yet another example where because of one's own initiative and the guidance of other people in his life, someone was present for the calling of God. Now, there are many, there are many um, uh, times in one's life where, where, where they're more likely to say yes to you when you, they, when, when, when you ask them to do something. For some, they might be more likely to say yes after a good meal. For some, they might be more likely to say yes uh, on the weekend. You know, they're not working, so uh, they're more lively and joyful. If you ask them something, they, they might be more likely to do it. But for others, for me, for a lot of people, this period of time where they're almost guaranteed to say yes to anything is in the state of mind that I like to call half-sleep. Now our campers here that we're here today are very acquainted with that term half-sleep because I think they were in it for a lot of our chapel services. I'm not sure. But this state of half-sleep Look, if you come up to someone, I don't know, say six, five, four in the morning, if you say anything to them, odds are it's incoherent. It's gibberish. If you ask them for their passport, their credit card details, anything, I will bet almost anything that they will say yes. Because look, they're not entirely present. Someone half asleep isn't completely there. Can you imagine if Samuel, the Samuel, 
was half asleep during God's call. He might have been during the first few, but can you imagine if he was there for the last? I don't doubt that the story of Samuel would have turned out very different, but I'm thankful for Eli and for the figures in his life that really gave him the guidance to be present for God's call in his life. Today, my last point was, my last point that I'm still on, but um, the point that I brought up, finding joy in God's purpose. God's purpose for your life is the place that you'll find the most joy. And to get to that point, you need to be present for God to not only bring you to that purpose, but show you what that purpose is. And in doing so, you will find a joy that is untouchable by the world. Now, I'm almost done here, but I just want to close and I just want to say a few things. That you here today, every person, young, old, spiritually young or spiritually old, you are enough. Everyone here today is enough to be used by God. A few Sundays ago, I couldn't tell you which one in particular, we heard about a story of a sculptor who rejected a slab of material because he found it unfit for use. And then after sculptor after sculptor, we find one that finally finds something in that slab that turned out to be one of the most amazing artistic feats of today. And I want to say that God is not like the sculptors that rejected that slab. God is not a sculptor which requires the most state-of-the-art tools or flawless materials. All that God needs is a present, open, and willing vessel to be moved in the way that he sees fit. Now, I talked about sports earlier. I'm almost done. I talked about sports earlier. Sports is amazing. I love it. I love what sports has given to people, and I love the, the, the fact that sports it has given a community to so many people that did not have that to begin with. But some sports are just unnatural. It, just, it, it, doesn't, it boggles my mind how these sports even came to existence. Curling? I'm all for curling. I love curling. It's so fun watching it, but I just don't, I just don't understand. And golf. Look, we might have some golf players here today. I love golf. I love watching it. I admire the people who are able to do so much with just so little, just a, a club and a ball, and they send it, and they basically, it's such a tiny hole, and they, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really, um, it just, it's crazy to me. I, I just find it so amazing that a golf athlete, a golfer, can see that ball, hold that club in his hand, and it goes flying. 
through the air, it cuts through the air, through the current and all that, and lands perfectly in that hole. Now, it's, it's, it's hard, <laughs> more than hard, but it's crazy that that feat is even possible by a human. And look, that ball isn't going there by itself. That ball is, is cheap, that ball is measly, that ball really isn't anything on its own. It's because of the hand of a skilled, practiced, and perfect athlete that that ball is able to be sent where it's supposed to go into that hole. But even though that ball is nothing, even though that ball is small, even though that ball really is capable of nothing on its own, that ball in this relationship has one job, just one. Look, that ball at the beginning of every put isn't set on turf. It isn't set on grass or sand. As a matter of fact, if it was, that ball wouldn't be going very far. It's because of one tiny little object, one tiny needle-like thing placed into the ground called a tee. A tiny little thing that offers a, a, a space raised above the ground which allows the golfer to send that ball where it needs to go. All that ball needs to do, that ball has one job. That tiny little minuscule, that small position, that one location where that golf ball has to be present at so that the golfer can move it to where it needs to go. All that ball needs to do is be there. Be there. Be present. Be at the place you need to be so that God can move you to where you need to go. Now I'm done, but I just want to say this. That's a fine joy. You don't have to look in things of this earth. You don't have to look in things that will end up being nothing but ash or dirt at the end of this lifetime. Find joy in things eternal. Find joy in the identity and presence of God, uh, in the identity and person of God, and find joy in the purpose that God has for you and your life. And to find that purpose to find that joy, be there, be present, open, willing, and believe in the person and power of a God that can do miraculous things in your life. And then, only then, will you find joy unspeakable. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.